is the Rams Review Podcast. Discussion, insights, interviews and analysis. All passion, all Derby County. Rams Review Podcast is proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, where fans come first. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast with your host Jason. Corey's not here at the minute, hopefully he's going to join us uh, really, really soon. But we've, we have got a third guest, we've got, an, well I say third guest, we've got another guest and a bit like buses, you don't see one for a while, then two come along at once. Back for two weeks in a row, Andy Buckley-Taylor. Andy, how are we, mate? I'm good, thanks, and uh, thanks for inviting us on again. Not a problem at all. Well, of course, you was with us on the last episode, so I'm pretty sure you know what we're going to be talking about. And first things first, we are going to talk about, obviously, the game on Saturday down at the Vitality Stadium. Andy, I don't know how much of the game you saw. I managed to catch all of it. Um, on, on the face of it, I don't think Derby did enough to win the game, but they certainly didn't deserve to lose it with the way the game went. And unfortunately, not for the first time this season, refereeing decisions probably played a hand in Derby's defeat, didn't they? They certainly did. Um, I saw the whole game. And once again, it was one of the uh, Madley brothers refereeing. And once again, uh, not really giving as much. Um, I think uh, the penalty shout was uh, a nailed on, nailed on. And uh, I think most of the uh, pundits and that that have uh, seen it uh, have, have said the same. Also, um, what uh, I was a little bit knocked about was uh, when Bournemouth scored their first goal, um, there was a foul in the build-up play. Um, the referee missed that as well. The game itself, I thought it was a bit of a scrappy game. Um, neither side really dominated. I think, on balance, they probably edged it a little. But um, I've seen us play worse than that and get something from it. But it was up front again uh, where we we were lacking. Um, I think Luke Plange had a, one of his quieter games and uh, we didn't keep their goalkeeper busy. No, I'm going to move. Uh, certainly a point that I want to talk on a bit, little bit later on was, a, was a, I thought, a couple of Kia players as well as Luke Plange that I don't think turned up for Derby on Saturday, but we will touch on that uh, a little bit later. Um, I mean, I was watching that game and I think you're right, Andy. There wasn't a great deal in it. Derby carved out one or two opportunities, but uh, so did Bournemouth. Bournemouth, Lewis Cook certainly was making them tick in the midfield. Um, and I don't know why every time I know you watch a lot, obviously you watch a lot of championship football. You'll have seen Bournemouth a lot more times than I have. And there's a reason why they're second in the league. But every time I seem to come across Bournemouth, it's, it's a very similar opinion that I'm, I'm building. And I thought it was exactly the same on Saturday for the, for the names and the quality on paper that Bournemouth have got, they don't tend to do themselves justice enough in, in my opinion. And I think in that first half, Whilst they were given the ball, uh, they were allowed space. You know, I think really, apart from the goal, obviously, which we'll go on to talk to in a bit, 
I think only really Allsop had really, what, one save? And it was a smart save as well early on. But only one save to make. And Derby really looked quite comfortable in the game, Andy, I thought. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. Um, Bournemouth, now, I've, I've seen quite a few games uh, that they've played this season. Um, and I don't want to be nasty towards them. But from their, how they, uh, their possession in games and, and, and how they use the ball, um, I'm, I'm quite surprised at the second. I mean, they're definitely uh, a top six side. But uh, sometimes they flatter to, to deceive. Um, as we saw midweek... Um, when they uh, struggled to a draw with uh, Peterborough. Um, I, I think they're a, a team that can be exploited. Um, they don't quite, how can I put it? That, that I don't think they're, when you, when you go from defence midfield um, to the forward line, I don't think they knit up together perfectly. But as, uh, as we saw, um, they did enough to beat us, but that's the first time in many, many years that they've actually beaten, beaten us because obviously we beat them at our place earlier this season and I think we got four points off them last season as well. Yeah, I, th- I think the stat was, I think that's the first time Bournemouth have beat us since 1985, which seem, seems a long time. I'm, I'm sure, obviously, there was a few of those years that they spent in the doldrums and then in the Premier League. So we've probably not come up against each other a lot in that last uh, in those last 20-odd years. But, I mean, yeah... I, I, like you say, I mean, I, I look at that and I think if a neutral, and I know you can't always go off one game, but if a neutral was watching that game on Saturday, you certainly wouldn't have Derby in the bottom three. And I know, obviously, we're not in the bottom three on on form. Um, and I don't think, you, I think you're right. I don't think you'd have Bournemouth anywhere near the automatic promotion race. Maybe that's just a nod to how up and down and possibly how weak the championship is this year. I'm not sure. But, um, I mean, they've got as you well know, because you, you watch them regularly, they have got key dangerous men. And, you know, really, it was those key dangerous men that, that really took the three points for Bournemouth. But before we, before we touch on that, I think one of the first real points of note, you mentioned it a little minute ago, is obviously the penalty shout for, for Derby. I mean, I must admit, the stream that I was watching, Andy, was a little bit grainy. So I didn't really, uh, I didn't really catch the tackle in, f- in in full flow, but seeing it on a replay, how on earth the referee has not given that standing five yards away is is beyond me. And obviously, we mentioned it. I think last week, me and Corey have certainly mentioned it over the last couple of weeks about Wayne Rooney's opinion that he's coming out and saying there's a vendetta against Derby. The people that agree with it, the people that don't agree with it, that's their opinions. But week on week, Andy, there seems to be more and more evidence that. That there's there's strange things going on when it comes to officiating against Derby County, and that penalty call on Saturday for me, with obviously the game locked at nil nil, may is a is a big opportunity for Derby that they weren't allowed to take. Yeah, I mean it's not the first time, like I said before, that we've had these sort of decisions off one of the Madley brothers. I, I can't remember which one of them it was, but I'm sure one of them sent Chris Martin off a few years ago. Was it at Blackburn or Burnley or, or somewhere? Yes, Burnley, but, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, I I just found it totally unbelievable that uh, we didn't get a penalty from that. You know, I, I, I'd even back Stuart Atwell to have given that one. But, uh, you know, we can say there's a vendetta against us, but we'll never prove it. 
I think uh, let, let's hope that uh, some of the t- decisions uh, can go our way, you know, in the, the few weeks coming up. Let, let's hope that uh, we've saved uh, our, our share of the decisions until the running. Yeah, which, hey, let's face it, we're going to need all the help that we can get. And uh, as we said, so after that, you know, Derby, they're, they're strolling into the end of the first half. I would, I would say looking quite comfortable, certainly not looking too troubled at the back. And then yet another officiating decision to start off with, whilst I can't defend the way that Derby coped with what happened after. Um, I think there was, there was a period there where the, there was a throw in. It should have been near the corner flag. It was taken pretty much on the ed- edge of Derby's 18-yard box in le- in line. Um, and I think they also said there might have been a foul in the build-up. And I think there was even a, a question that the ball might have gone out out of play before uh, before they, they get that ball in there. And ultimately, Derby don't deal with it, Andy. And somebody that we spoke about on the last podcast, Dominic Solanke, is there to to mop up the pieces. Oh, he, he'll knock them in, you know, uh, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, is that sort of, you know, danger that uh, if, you, if your defence isn't tight and you give him an inch, he'll take a yard. And, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that, that's where we failed. Um, but the points in the build-up, obviously, yet the throw wasn't taken from the right place. There was definitely a foul on the build-up. But... Uh, Yet again, Mr. Madley uh, doesn't do us any favours. Now, and then Dobby, unfortunately, obviously go into that game 1-0 one, one down. Corey, Corey's with us. Corey, hello. Sorry you've missed the first five, ten minutes. How are we? Yeah, sorry. I'm just like Andy Madley. I missed parts of, parts of, parts of the ongoing, uh, ongoing big thing. No, sorry. You know, Jason, uh, my meetings are like London buses. I don't have any. And then right when I have... This important one, I get a phone call about literally nothing. So that I have to take care of. So my apologies for missing out. Andy Buckley Taylor, hello. Jason, hello. Uh, yeah, you're all hello. right. But we'll we'll get your opinion. We was literally just touching on, obviously, touching on that first half, Corey. Um a, a, a solid save from all sop to start off with. Derby pretty much in the game. Obviously, a absolute stonewall penalty missed, and then a sucker punch. Another another poor refereeing decision and a sucker punch for Derby conceding the goal, Corey. Just just a quick yeah, thought I on, think, on those. Know, yeah, I think you just you, you just look at it, and I don't know, um, you know, I, I obviously we don't we don't know Andy Madley, we don't know what's going through his mind. He's obviously getting games in the Premier League. He's well thought of by the FA uh, and and the Premier League. So you know you wouldn't necessarily expect these mistakes coming from somebody who's who's refing at the highest levels of the English game. Um, you know you you don't know. Um, you know, maybe he saw a different angle or something like that. I mean, the the foul on Ravel, it's a clear blatant penalty. I mean, he stands on the lad's foot in the box. And, I mean, you can't get more of a stonewall penalty than that. I mean, unless you're Barnsley and you're playing Fulham and you fall over with a gust of wind, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't necessarily buy into the fact that, you know, the EFL has some sort of agenda against Derby County or anything like that. I know I've, I've read some comments about that, like, oh, well, well, you know, with the calls and things like that. I mean, referees make mistakes. Referees are human. Um, I think that there's a systemically bad uh, standard of refereeings in the EFL, uh, you know, in, in all the divisions in, in, in the EFL. Um, and I think that's something that the EFL need to address longer term. And I think that that's a, that's an issue that they need to be brought up at the end of the season by all clubs, you know, all the 72 clubs in the EFL um, that the refereeing standards need to get better uh, in, in, in England uh, in, in the football league, because, you know, these mistakes, Jason and Andy, they don't, 
they're not there in isolation. They have ripple effects, right? This could, you know, this could, um, you know, the goal difference could relegate Derby. The penalty could affect you know, Bournemouth's goal difference. Uh, or, you know, the, the the penalty that we did not have could have affected uh, Bournemouth's um, thing. And, and just my, very much like the Premier League, right? We, for years, we sat there with the Premier League and we thought, these officials need help, right? The stakes, the stakes are getting too big. The stakes are too big in the World Cup. They're too big in the Euros. They're too big in... In the Champions League and UEFA competitions, Europa League, UEFA, uh, Europa Conference League, the the stakes are too big now. The stakes are too high in these upper divisions for these for these mistakes to happen, right? Because it's worth hundreds of millions of pounds at the highest levels. It's worth jobs. It's worth careers. Some of these things could be career defining or ending moments for players and managers. Um, and so, you know, we got them the help. They got the help that they needed through VAR. Um, and they got the help that they needed through, you know, that, that match day center and things like that. So I don't know necessarily if you need, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if VAR is the answer in the, in the EFL, because then you're having like, you're having VAR decisions at Port Vale and Forest Green Rovers. It seems a bit odd, like for that, but at the same standard, you know, at the same thing, you know, maybe, maybe they do need help. Maybe they do need VAR instituted. Maybe this is a conversation we should have, love it or hate it. VAR is the future of, of modern refereeing. That's just the way it is in UEFA and FIFA competitions at the highest levels of the game. That's the way it is. Um, you know, and so you have to, you have the, uh, the football traditionalists who sit there and they go, I like the game as it is, you know, uh, human error, it, it kind of adds to the entertainment of the game. And in some respects, I agree with that. But then on the flip side of that, you agree with that, but then you say, oh, well, yeah, the referee's terrible and he's crap and he needs help and whatever. So you can't have it both ways. So I think it's an interesting inflection point here for, uh, for the EFL to say, okay, do we want to go down the, the the video assistant referee route? Do we want to get these referees some help? Or do we just want to make sure that these referees are better trained? And I don't know whether that's bringing in the UEFA head of refereeing or the FIFA head of refereeing or, you know, some other technical director over these referees to say, hey, wait a minute, this is how you can get better. Here's how we can take more training courses and make it a more stringent thing because you don't referee at this level uh, in the championship. You have to, have, you know, you obviously – they're not fresh off the boat from their refereeing exam. They don't, they don't let, you know, it's not Sunday league football. Um, but um, it does seem that not only for Derby, but there are some systemically sketchy calls uh, in, in all these divisions. And I think it's, it's a wider conversation. Obviously this is a Derby County focus podcast, focus podcast, 100% penalty for Ravel Morrison. I'm not even going to, that's not even up for debate here with me, but I think the, the, the other, I think, like I said, it's in, in, in an interesting inflection point into how we want this game to be managed and refereed in the future. I think before we before we touch on the second half of Bonza, I think you bring up a really good point, Corey, and I'd be interested to get your views on this question and Andy, yours after. You say there, Corey, it, the answer could well be uh, VAR in the AFL, and I think you're right. I think that's just, just the way that the sport's going. One, one point that certainly BBC Radio Derby's commentator, uh, Ed Dawes and Chris Coles, have pointed out on more than one occasion this season is that when we do get a Premier League ref, obviously we had uh, Mike Dean not so long ago up at Middlesbrough, and I think he failed to send off somebody who fouled uh, Max Bird, which looked like a, a, a stonewall red card. Obviously, this decision again yesterday. Um, Andy, we'll come to you first. Is it is it a question, Ed and Chris were both saying that, you know, these Premier League referees are, are coming down to the Championship and they don't have VAR to fall back on. So are they actually 
struggling and don't want to make a decision to sit in case they get it wrong and they'd normally have VAR to fall back on if they do? Uh, I mean, maybe because you got the VAR in the Premier League and not in the EFL. The fact is uh, their body, they could have unconsciously become reliant on it. You know, um, there's a close call and uh, they're subconsciously thinking, all oh, right, we'll go to VAR and it's, and it's not there. And I, I think referees that are, you know, used to using it, um, they drop down a, a uh, drop down a division, and it's not there, and and all of a sudden uh, they them, themselves haven't adjusted. Same question to you, Corey. Do you think Premier League refs, when they step down to the Championship, they're a bit too reliant on 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 VAR now in the Premier League and they, they won't make those big calls in case they get them wrong, knowing that VAR is behind them to pick it up if it is? Yes and yes and no. I think, I think in a way, in a way, yes. I think the linesmen are probably a little bit more reliant on the technology than probably the official is um, because, you know, they're all wired up with the communications and we see, um, you know, the delayed, the delayed flags, uh, from the linesman pretty much every week uh, in the Premier League, which is incredibly irritating and incredibly dangerous uh, when when these things happen. Um, but, you know, I think sometimes they come down here. I don't, I, and again, I, I don't know any referees, so I can't necessarily speak to the mentality of that, but I don't know if the mentality shifts because they're going to a different ground or something like that that they're not used to, right? It's like, oh, well, I don't get the same buzz as a Premier League game. You know, it's like a, if a Champions League ref was all of a sudden doing like, San Marino and it's like okay not the same intensity here as Paris and Barcelona so maybe maybe the intensity level drops I don't know and I just think that I also think Jason and Andy that when you look at the standard of refereeing in the English game it's not great anyway when you look at when you look at some of the European referees when you look at who's on UEFA's I mean there was a what not the last World Cup but the World Cup before there was no English refs for like two World Cups there's a reason why there's a reason why, you know, and yes, Anthony Taylor does get games. Yes, Mark and Atkinson does get games and uh, Michael Oliver. And some of it's down to the success of the English teams, why they don't get the final, but you don't necessarily see the English referees a lot in the later stages of tournaments sometimes, uh, you know, in, in mass that you would see some of the other ones. I know that, you know, um, UEFA, you know, we the rankings for referees and things like that. So I, I just think that the standard of refereeing in the entire country is probably not as high as what we think it is. And I think when you watch the Premier League and you don't watch a lot of the, the, the European football, you sit there and you go, okay, you know, yeah, these refs are pretty good and whatever. But I mean, I've watched plenty of Premier League recently, Jason. And when you watch enough games, you can see even when the referees having a poor game and you sit there and there's, there's, there's a couple of referees in, in, the English, in the Premier League that make the game all about them. They can't wait to get the cards out their pockets. It's just, it's my show and I'm the man. And then you have a couple of them that are all right one week and the next week they have an absolute stinker. So I think at the end of the day, they're probably, you know, they're human. They make mistakes. I don't know if the mentality issue does play into that. I don't know if they are reliant. I wouldn't think the official would be probably just more of the linesman, like I said. But, um, you know, maybe it's a different pace of play and, and players are moving in different patterns that they're not used to. I, I don't know what the answer is. But but generally, I, like I said before, I think the standard of refereeing in this in, in England can get a whole heck of a lot better. Um, than, than what it is for for this con- for England to be the home of football, uh, to have all these historic clubs and these big competitions and everything like this, and, and you know you've got clubs that are on um, doing really well in the in the European divisions, right? The national teams doing well, 
Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, they're all competitive uh, for, for, for trophies um, at the highest levels of the game. And then you have referees that are just kind of like, meh, you know, I mean, doesn't really, I mean, you look at Mike Dean, you said Mike Dean there against Middlesbrough. He's a card merchant. We know what Mike Dean is. Mike Dean can't wait to get the cards out. He's all about the card party. Although I saw him the other day and he didn't send somebody, he didn't send off. What's his face the other day um, against Liverpool. Uh, what's his name? The goalkeeper came on out and he hit Luis Diaz in like the chest. And it was like, Jesus Christ, that's a red card. And he didn't do it. a Brighton goalkeeper Sanchez. It's like what the hell? And you know, it's Mike Dean and you know, he's like the card merchant. You'd expect a card to get out. So I just think it's a poor standard of refereeing. I think, from all levels. So maybe, maybe a technical director is needed to, to improve that standard. No, I fully agree can with I, you. Can I just say, there, there <clears> used to be a saying that uh, all good referees, you didn't know their names. That's exactly. a fair now, point. And now, now some of them are personalities, Andy. Oh yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, things have really changed over the years, but I think uh, if, the, if the referee has been good, um, you, you don't go and check out his name. No, I, I would fully agree with that. Um, moving back onto onto topic, second second half against Bar- uh, Bournemouth. I nearly said Barnsley then. Second half against Bournemouth, uh, Corey. I mean, after after the sucker punch, you know, two mediocre at best refereeing decisions. Derby Derby concede in the final stages of the first half. Derby still came out in that second half, pushed, probed. Good chance by Lee Buchanan. Really should have drilled it across the keeper uh, instead of uh, at, at his post. Um, and, and you never know, that might have been a diff- different option. A, a good through ball found Ravel Morrison, who I thought took up a good position. Uh, one, one of the only times in the game where really where he was that little bit further forward when we were pushing in that second half. And again, you know, he gets himself into the right areas when played in the right position. I thought that was a good chance. Um I want to come on to talk about Bournemouth's goalkeeper uh, in a little bit because I think he had. I think I know he. They were routine routine saves, really, but you know I know he's one of the better goalkeepers this season in the championship. Um, and Derby huffed and Derby puffed, and we kind of knew that eventually with Derby we're going to get caught out um, if we didn't if we didn't take something. And and unfortunately, obviously, towards the the end of the game. That's that's exactly happened with Jamal Lowe scoring and basically wrapping up the game with a couple of minutes to go. But Corey, for all the for all the fight, the heart, the determination, Derby County should not have walked out away from Bournemouth from the south coast on Saturday with nothing, should they? No, they 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 played really they they played really well and 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 I think you know maybe deserved a, at least a point if not three. Um, but you know these are fine margins of football games, Jason. And I think the thing that the thing that really irritates me, I think the thing that really kicks me in the gut is, is that late goal by Jamal Lowe. Because at the end of the day, with as tight as this division is, with the precarious position that this football club is in right now in the league, goals could mean everything going down to goal difference. So I think losing 2-0 irritated me. I, mean, we saw, I saw, I saw the, the score flash up and I thought, okay, 1-0, we're still in a chance with this game. And, and, you know, because we always play well against Bournemouth. So why not give it a go? We've been, we were on the front foot. And then, the second goal goes in and you just think that goal somehow, I feel like that goal is going to come back to haunt us because as you said many times in the recent podcast, Jason, we don't score very many goals. Um, so you see many goals. So, um, you know, I just don't think, I just don't think, um, I think that second goal is the one that, that that's really the sucker punch there. And, you know, it, it at the end of the day, this was probably a point lost. Um, but again, 
when you're looking at the fixtures and we were looking at the the, five, the next five fixtures in these blocks of fixtures that we look at, would you really have realistically took anything out of Bournemouth if I had said anything to you? Would you, would you really be surprised that we didn't get anything out of the match? You know, if we got a point, I'd be like, heck yeah, we got a point. That's great. That's a point that we didn't think we were going to get. I think when the, you know, when you're, when you're charting down where you're going to get your points in the league, Bournemouth was not a place where you were going to get it. So, you know, performance, good performances like that. You're going to get, you're going to get points more often than not. Second goal is the disappointing thing for me uh, because it could come down to goal difference. Um, but overall, you know, uh, you take it on the chin, bad day at an office and we move on to Blackburn. I think Andy, for me, I think that's the thing that I'm taking out of it. Derby did not play badly at all against a side who are obviously heavily tipped to finish second in the division. Um, sooner or later, and I know games are running out, but sooner or later, Derby can't keep performing like that away from home because that's not—it's not just Bournemouth this season, um, and certainly not recently that they've put in a performance away from home. We know the troubles up front are, are costing us. A couple of refereeing decisions haven't gone our way. Surely Derby can't go between now and the end of the season playing like that away from home and not picking up something which, let's face it, is going to be vital. If, if Derby want to get something, because after Bournemouth, obviously we've got Blackburn tomorrow night and then everybody's pinning the hopes on picking up a result at home against Coventry, you know, a team who's just smashed Sheffield United 4-1. So things don't get any easier, do they? No, they don't. Um, <laughs> what a place to go to, to uh, get your away results uh, uh, going. Uh, Blackburn away. Not a, it's never been a, a, a real happy hunting ground for us. And I know Blackburn have gone off the ball recently, but you, you just know it's odds law that uh, they'll up their game again tomorrow against us. But you know what? What? What an opportunity! Go, go, to, go to Blackburn. Um, we we surely, surely should soon pull off um, an away result because uh, some of the performances really haven't been that bad, and uh, we could have picked up a few points now. And uh, it's uh, just a few points that would uh, take us out of the bottom three. But uh, also on Saturday, that's not a gimme. Coventry are a good side. Um, we drew at their place in the league, if I remember right, that Graeme Shinney got an equaliser and we narrowly went out in the cup. Uh, they did smash Sheffield United 4-1, but we beat Sheffield United recently. and We only just got done at their place as well. There's, there's a lot of ifs and buts. Um, there's a lot, lot of very fine lines between uh, getting points and not. And, uh, you know, we, we've very rarely been out of a game. And to be honest with you, I think that is, I know we've still got only, we've, the games are running out, but I still think that's a key thing. We are still in games. Yes, we're not winning every week. Yes, we, we've gone through a bit of a rough patch just recently. But I still think out of everybody down there, Reddit, you know, the teams that we need to be in, interested in, we are still the better side out of those three. And I still think we're in the better form and we're still capable. Um, other than Reading on paper, but they just... Yeah, but you look at it now, Jason, and you read where the Reading fans want to take Paul Ince and they want to drive him out of town because yeah, he's a exactly. time manager. I'm sorry. They had a points deduction, Okay. They've been down for, they picked up, they picked up literally like four points in two months. Okay. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, this is vintage Barcelona. Reading are crap. Okay. Reading are crap. We're better than Reading. Okay. So it's going to be very, very tough because all of a sudden Paul Ince, who's Reading, oh, we need a grand savior. We need a grand savior. And they turn to Paul Ince, 
who hadn't been employed in football since 2014, for God's sake. And they're like, wow, the second coming, somehow this is going to save our season. Get, get real. Reading's not going to – Reading – I'd be lucky if Reading win another game this season, to be honest. I mean, they'll probably win and make me look really stupid as people are listening to this. But my point stands, Reading – Reading's not going to turn into vintage Barcelona and rip off four or five wins. They'll be lucky to win three or four more games for the rest of the season. And I believe if it's a dogfight between us and Reading, we've got more and we've got more guts, fight, determination to get out of this mess because we've we've seen it firsthand than what Reading do. Can I just say, mm, um, I'm surprised that they they didn't go for Neil Warnock. Well, well yeah, I mean, yeah. everybody Neil Warnock's been with like 50 clubs, Andy, but that's a good shout. I'm surprised as well. But all of a sudden, you go get Paul Inns. I mean, Christ's sake. Yeah, I know. I mean, I think uh, I think Reading have still got to play Barnsley as well between now and the end of the season. So that might be that might be an interesting fixture. But a we, festival we, feast of football that will be absolutely. But well, they play Bournemouth tomorrow night. They'll probably go and beat them. You never know. Um, yeah, and then it'll make me look stupid. Yeah, well, th- that's not difficult, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> no, let's be honest. <laughs> Before the next segment, I want to quickly talk to you about the Fan Hub app. Fanhub are looking to put fans first and change the game, giving back to the real heroes of football, us, the fans. Download the app now from Apple or Google stores and get involved predicting lineups, check in on match days and check your fan statistics. Compete against fans of our club and other football teams. Let's help get Derby County up that leaderboard. Also, it's a great way to get media content from all creators across the Fanhub family, including our stuff at the Rams Review Podcast, for Derby County. Download today and you can avoid the queue using our unique code. Contact us on social media for more details and check out the FanHub app and website. Before we move on to our next segment, we are proud to announce that we are going to be partnering with two amazing organizations this year. First is going to be Flat Back 4 and the second is Six Yards Out. Flat Back 4 provide a wide range of club um, memorabilia with the kind of foosball four guys um, on it as well. Amazing clothing range. They've got some awesome Derby stuff. So go and check them out. And we'll be doing some competition giveaways um, and various different bits and bobs throughout the season. So stay tuned for that. And our second partnership is going to be with the Six Yard Out folks. They do some amazing different kind of bespoke gifts, uh, all kind of things, Derby County. They've got England mugs, Derby County mugs, and various different kits. And you can get them customized and have old players on them. Um, some really amazing things. You can use Rams Review. As a, as a coupon code there as well and get 10% off. Really proud to be partnering with two amazing retail retail partners. So be on the lookout for those um, and check them out if you haven't already. Um, again, that's that's Flatback 4 and 6 Yards Out. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the next segment. So a couple of other talking points for the podcast this week, Corey, before, and, and Andy, sorry, before we move on to um, talking about tomorrow night's game. Blackburn, yes, Blackburn at Ewood Park. Um, I want to get Corey. We've not. I know we we say we have, we have, and then we haven't, and we have, and we haven't. Um, obviously, something happened last week that I think is worth talking about on the podcast, and that is a little bit of takeover. I would say takeover news. It's not really, but um, by the looks of it, one group's pulled out or been told to go away, wh- whichever way you want to you want to look at it. Um, the Binney family have been told that negotiations are no longer going to be happening with them unless they up their bid, which is currently, we believe, to be at £30 million. It, 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 Apparently, it went from £28 million without the stadium to £30 million including the stadium. God knows that's, how much. Yeah, that, God knows, and that's work out there, right? Yeah, yeah God knows how much well, they expecting. Question for you, Jason. 
Was their accountant Stephen Pierce? Yeah, well, he, he must have been. He must have been. I don't know, because that just seems like that's the, the math's just I'm not a math genius here, but I just worked that out and it doesn't add up. No, it, it definitely doesn't. Um, but that does that that is obviously they've said now, unless you come in with more money, uh, then, you know, your your name's off the table. There was then what felt like a bit of a sour grapes statement from the from the Binny family saying, well, we were the only ones that were actually got a bid on the table. Um, so we don't know why they've turned it down. I mean, that's probably it could because be because it was thirty million with the stadium. Yeah, and so say it's game like playing, and I offer you ten pound for your house, and you're going to tell me to go. You're going to go tell me to pound sand or go do something else. Well, I think I think when you when you have to look at it, obviously, without Mel asking for extra on top, whoever takes ownership of the stadium has got to clear the loans, which is probably what about twenty million. So basically, they were expecting to pay ten million for Derby County Football Club and the stadium, or, or, or 10, twenty million pays off the stadium, and they was only expecting to pay ten million pounds for Derby County, which even in Derby's predicament is a little bit low. Let, let's let's be honest, and was nowhere near enough the amount that Derby County needs. I'm very much now in the opinion that Derby County are not going to be able to get away from this fifteen point deduction, further fifteen point deduction, um, due to the administration rules. But only offering 10 million, Corey, for the club. I mean, for me, I don't swear very often on this podcast, but that was a fucking piss take, if you ask me. Um, and to be honest with you, I'm not surprised that Quantuma have turned around and said, go, go and play somewhere else, because that, that, offer's not, that offer's not good enough. And if that is legitimately all they're going to do, that's basically just wasted a lot of time that, we know Quantuma like to waste time, but that's wasted a lot more time than probably. I like to waste time because you're getting paid well, Jason. Yeah. Also, a bit of news Chris Kirshner is still in talks to buy Preston North End. Mm. Well, this is it. But watch out for the revolution at Deep Dip. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll get your thoughts on it first, then we'll move slightly to Andy before we know he's got to move on. Um, where does this leave us, Corey? If, if this is officially the only bid that's on the table, or consumer stupid to turn it down, even though it was only thirty million pounds, because a bid's a bid of thirty million is better than nothing. Yeah, but when when you look at the tax bill and you look at everything else, I mean, you, we don't know if it includes the debt, excludes the debt, if the debt's paid off in this situation or or whatever. Um, but you know, obviously, Quantum has seen something in the bid. They saw something in Chris Kirshner's bid that was was below other bids, and they could come out and they say there hasn't been other bids tabled. Then you know, okay, that's fine. I don't know. It's a bit of a weird situation. If there wasn't, why they would turn down the only bid? We know Mike Ashley said he's interested, so I'm assuming that there's a bid there. I'm a, I mean, we've heard reports that both Appleby and and uh, Appleby's group uh, and, and Mike Ashley's group have bid. So I don't know where the binnies are coming from. They're probably not privy to all of the information either. Um, it did sound a little bit like sour grapes, but I mean, if you're going to bid 30 million pound for this football club with the investment that it needs, the stadium that was you know what 80 million or something like that. Uh, and then, you know, obviously with the debt and everything like that, it is, it is a bit odd. Uh, where does it leave us, Jason? Um, same, same, same state of play. Uh, we've got funding till the end of the season and, and that's all we know. Andy, what are your thoughts on this? Well, um, the bin is, uh, yeah, I, I'm not quite sure that that's the sort of organization, um, I'd want owning, uh, our club. It's a money organisation. It's an organisation that wants to make money. Now, I know beggars can't be choosers, but uh, the other options, uh, should they still be there? Um, Andy Appleby will need 
a big backer, Tobias. Um, we know he himself hasn't got the money to purchase Derby County. And it's uh, obvious that his uh, previous backers, um, when, it, uh, when, G- when GSC owned the club, uh, I'm not stepping forward to uh, take us over again. Mike Ashley is known for coming in uh, at the 11th hour and uh, buying what he wants. Uh, he's done it with a lot of businesses over here. But uh, the way I see it, we've got to pay the MSD loan. We have got to pay HMRC. Um, and if the non-footballing um, people aren't paid their 25p in the pound, that I'm pretty sure that that brings in the... Uh, 15-point deduction for next season. Bit of a bit of a mess. Uh, we're not hearing much from the administrators. Uh, maybe they haven't got uh, much to tell us. But uh, it would be like it'd be nice if they sort of like address the fans every week and say nothing further to report or this 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 is going on. I know obviously they can't go into uh, details with uh, a lot of what's going on because uh, you know when money talks, but. I think uh, this is going to drag on, isn't it? This is going to drag on uh, past the end of the season. And we're, we're going to have a summer of thinking about uh, whether we're going to have a football club next season or not. Andy, that was one of the things that me and Corey touched on a couple of podcasts ago. This now looks like it's going to rumble on till at least the end of the season. Let's face it, even if they name a preferred bidder tomorrow, it, the exit from administration is the best part of 12 weeks which takes you pretty much to the start of pre-season, which is not the time that Wayne Rooney wants to then start looking at players um, or be given the go-ahead to start looking at players to, to and, and assembling a squad. He wants to be doing... I mean, really, he wants to have an eye on that now, and I'm sure he has, but obviously with the, with the, the predicament that Derby are in, on the pitch, we don't know what division we're going to be in. So, of course, that's going to dictate who and who he will be able to bring in and who he won't. Um, but he wants to be doing his dealings pretty much the day after the end of the season. Well, once it's known which league we're going to be in, if that be that we drop down or, or whatever, that's at that point where he needs to start planning. And I'm, I'm with you on this now. Um, it, it's coming. It's becoming a bit more of a concern for me that we're not. It's not progressing. And do you know what? I just want to put my tin out on a little minute and go. If I'm looking at buying Derby County and I don't know what division they're going to be in and it's dragged on for whatever reason, we don't know what the reason is behind its latest drag. Um, but I'd be looking at it now, like you said there about Mike Ashley, we know the type of player that my, uh, type of person Mike Ashley is. He comes in at the last minute. Why? I don't see why you would legitimately now put a bid in for Derby County. Why not wait? three, four weeks, five weeks, you're going to know a hell of a lot more about what you're taking on. Um, and, and and obviously, appreciate why Quantuma are probably trying to rush one through because they're going to get more money for Derby County if they're, if, while they're still technically in the championship. But from a business point of view, Andy, that just doesn't make sense, does it, for, an, for, a, for, a, for a buyer? They're not going to... They're not going to throw 50 million at Quantuma now and say, yes, we'll take Derby County when in two weeks' time we could be relegated. Oh, Totally agree with you. Um, if we're relegated, 50, 50 million is the rumoured asking price. Uh, they'll 
that's Cuckoo Land if we're in League One. Uh, can you remember in the mid eighties uh, when we were minutes from going out of business? Um, I, I I actually think the situation we're, we're in now is is probably worse. Was it one point six million pound we were in debt in the mid eighties before Mister Maxwell came in? Um, this year, I, I've I've got a sneaky feeling that um, Mike Ashley, if you're serious about buying the club, is sitting here thinking. He knows, well, he, he believes that we're, we're going to go down and he's going to get us for a song. Yeah, no, I, I must admit, I, 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 have to, uh, I have to agree with that. Corey, Corey, quickly, your thoughts on this and then we'll, we'll say goodbye to Andy and then, then we can move on with the final point of the pod. Yeah, definitely. I think you, you saw what would happen. You saw what happened with Newcastle United as the best example, as we're talking about Mike Ashley here in parallels. New, Mike Ashley was trying to sell Newcastle United for a long time. The problem that, Protracted part of the uh, takeover was he wanted a certain price and no one was going to pay that certain price when Newcastle was hovering around the relegation zone because had somebody come in, Newcastle had been relegated and you can take off basically 50%, if not 75% of that club's value. I don't care how big they are, where they're located, how big the ground is, what kind of players they have. The value's gone when you're in the championship. And if you're a championship club and you're teetering on the edge of relegation to League One, the finances are a lot different. And whether they're, I mean, you know, the Binnies might be businessmen, like Ashley might be a businessman, but at the end of the day, if you have this, if you have hundreds of millions of pounds, you know, unless you're Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, or Jeff Bezos, you're going to miss losing a couple hundred million pounds if, if the club struggle to get back up. Now, if any of those three want to buy the football club, heck yeah, please, let's go do this. Let's call the Amazon Arena and let's get this sucker and all Derby fans can get free two-day prime shipping, but that's not going to happen. Um, and I think Andy's right. I think Mike Ashley might just be biding his time here till the situation's clear. I think he'll buy the club if they stay up. I think he'll buy the club if they stay down or if, sorry, if they go down, I think either one, Mike Ashley would be a prudent choice for this one. But I think as a businessman, Hart's got a rule overhead when you're dealing with, when you're dealing with sums of money of 50 and 60 million pounds, um, you know, and he might say, Hey, look, wait a minute here. I mean, look what he did with Newcastle. People, people berate his ownership, but he turned, I mean, they got, they went down a couple of times. They came straight back up. They were a solid, you know, solid lower third Premier League team, but now they're in, you know, they're in a bit of relegation fight. New owners took over. That's pulled them away. Um, but Mike Ashley turned Newcastle United into a, you know, into a Premier League team again. And he, you know, um, so prud- prudence has to win out at some point and, and say, look, we have to make sure that the monies are right, that the valuation's right, because no businessman's going to go into this situation in the unknown of Derby County's playing situation. Um, and expect them, expect them to do it. It's basically like me rolling up with Jason and Andy, right? It's like the three of us rolling up to Pride Park with a big sack of cash, and we're like, hey, we don't need to check the stadium. We don't need to check the finances. We don't even know who's playing for this team. We're just going to go, and we're just going to buy it. And then you buy it, and you're like, oh, crap, man, this thing, this thing is bad. I mean, you have it's, you, you do your due diligence. You see these things and whatever. And if you're going to lose, if you stand to lose tens or 50, you know, tens of millions of pounds, um, any businessman is going to be savvy enough to, to, to wait and bide their time. So, yeah, I mean, state of play is the current state of play. And, and I know we talked to Elias, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Jason, and you say it was frustrating for everybody as well, and the journos included, as well as us fans and, and everybody. So, you know, I'm sure it's frustrating for Rooney and the players and everybody at the club. So, um, you know, hopefully we get the situation resolved. But personally for me, I don't see how we get the situation resolved until we have some clarity on which division we'll be playing in next season. No, I yeah, I fully agree. Andy, I appreciate you've got to uh, you've got to leave us. Thank you very much for your insights as always, and uh, we'll catch up again very soon, mate. 
Okay, thanks a lot, and thanks for having us on. So, Corey, our final talking point of the podcast this week is obviously previewing the game tomorrow night at Ewood Park, and and something, to be fair, that Andy was um, saying a little bit earlier, we don't get a great deal of... um, a great deal of joy out of going up there, Lancashire. We haven't got a great record in anywhere, really, in Lancashire, to be honest. I don't know if it's that we, we're just that too little bit too high, gets a little bit colder. Derby don't like it, I don't know. But, um, yeah, I mean, we said it last week, week before, that Derby had to get something out of the two away games. Really, ideally, they needed to win one. And then we were banking on Derby beating Coventry at home on, on Saturday. That's not to say that we can't beat Coventry at home on Saturday, but fresh off, a, obviously, a 4-1 win against Sheffield United. We know there are they're definitely, a, Coventry are definitely a different animal at home as to they are away, and we, we know that. And obviously, we played them in the league and in the cup both away. So it'd be interesting to see what they're like at Pride Park, and we know the way that Derby can perform at home at Pride Park in front of the fans. So, you know, we'll... Talk about Coventry in uh, in the next pod, but Derby should have, as we mentioned, Derby should have taken something out of Bournemouth. They didn't. Um, I have seen varying comments saying Derby didn't do enough to win the game. I'm not saying that they their play did do enough to, to win the game, but when, as I say, when you get, you're, you're not given a Stonewall penalty, which, let's face it, you're not certain to convert, but let's just say, law of averages says we convert that, and, and that's 1-0. That's you know, the law of averages said that... Yeah, well, it's a different ball game, then, isn't it? I mean, yeah, we said absolutely. Goals, the first goal is always crucial. It's a football cliche, and it's crucial for Derby County at this moment because Derby are a much better team when they can play on the front foot, as most teams are. You get that goal, it gives you a little bit of a safety cushion, and you feel better about it. But I think also, you know, you can't you can't ever... I think in this division, if, if you're relying on the referee to bail you out or something like that, that's just not going to happen. Um, and, you know... What happened happened, and what didn't happen didn't happen at 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 at, um, at Dean Court, the Vitality Stadium, or whatever. And, and that's just the way that the cookie crumbles. And I think all you've got to do is you've got to pick yourself up and say, "Okay, look, Bournemouth with a better team. Bournemouth had a good season. They're second in the league. Let's not forget this Bournemouth team is second in the league." Okay, so even if we didn't have the points deduction, they'd still be vastly ahead of us in terms of points. Okay, they've got a very good team. So you don't go in. You know, it's not like you're sitting here in the fixtures and you're like, "Yeah, we're going to go in there." Like I said earlier. You're expecting, you're hoping maybe for a point. You're hoping for a point. But when you're sitting out here laying out your master plan and blocks of fixtures, how many points are we going to get between now and the international break? Mormon is not one of those teams where you think we're going to go get three. You're lucky if you get one, you're expecting to get zero. We got zero. And like I said, Jason, the most disappointing thing for me was conceding that second goal because goal difference is going to be so crucial, so crucial uh, in this in this fight right now. And when you look at our goal difference, you know, it's minus five, Barnsley's negative 26, and Peter Brewer's minus 45, and Reading's minus 30. So, yes, the goal, in, in hindsight, really, you know, doesn't have that big of an impact, but you don't want that to start to become a, a systemic issue and start to chip away at that. You know, if Reading score a couple or Darby lose, you know, three or four nil, that gap starts to really close here, uh, you know, for the, for the goal difference. So you want to make sure that everything that you can do in your power to make sure that everything's staying in your power to the positivity and, and making sure that you've got proper, you know, the best goal difference, making sure you can get the most amount of points. That's what we've got to do um, going into this. So, you know, look, we played well against Bournemouth. We didn't get anything at this point. I would take playing well over. I would obviously take points over anything. Don't get me wrong. 
But I think the manner of the performances that we have been seeing from this team show that we have, we are up for this fight. And more often than not, we're going to be in games. And I think if you're in games more often than not, you're going to go out and you're going to get more points than not. I mean, Jason, you were sharing a story with me offline about you talking to your Nottingham Forest mate. And tell, tell, tell our listeners what he said about Reading at the weekend when you asked him how he was playing. Yeah, he, he said that they'll be all on scoring another goal this season, let alone let alone getting another point. And, you know, you've just got it, like you say, you've just got to hope that that, that that is the case in Derby's perspective and Reading don't go and stuff Bournemouth tonight, which you just you just never know. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do agree with what you're saying. It, we're not expected. We're not expected to get anything tomorrow night, Corey, moving it, moving it on, to, on to Blackburn. But, you know, Blackburn are bang out of form. There's no doubt about that. Their form has tailed off considerably since the injury to Berriton Diaz. Um, I'm not sure if he's actually back for tomorrow night. Uh, I've not, I've not seen so far. I've not really heard. I've not really, to be honest with you, it's been a bit of a whirlwind since the weekend. So I've not really done a great deal uh, of, of, of um, revision for for this fixture. I'm sure Ryan from the Rovers chat, though, who we're going to who we're going to hear from in a minute, will be able to tell us all about that. But obviously, Bereton Diaz absolutely tore Derby a new one at Pride Park. He's been tearing most Championship defenses a new one this season. And it doesn't come as a surprise that Blackburn have started to struggle since he's been out the side. Whilst they still have some some quality, as we just mentioned a minute ago and Andy alluded to it, Derby have a terrible record of, of going to Ewood Park. But like we've just like you've said and like I've said, Derby it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult to fathom, and that's a word I never thought I'd say on the podcast, fathom. It's gonna be very difficult to fathom if Derby County continue to go into away matches and play the way that they have over the last two or three at least, including the, the obviously Bournemouth, Cardiff, Luton, to name but three, in the last six weeks, and get nothing out of the game. In some of those games, the Cardiff game was obviously Derby, Cardiff and Luton game, really. Uh, there was obviously a couple of difficult refereeing decisions that for Derby. There was lapses of concentration. Same on Saturday against Bournemouth, really. The, the goal... the. The second one is fine. Derby are pushing. The first one is is a lack of concentration from a throw-in that really should never have been given in that area or allowed to be taken in that area. But it, sooner rather than later, and I hope it's not before games physically start to run out or it's too late that we're already down. But eventually, if Derby continue to play this way, surely they, they have got to get something sooner rather than later on the road. It, it, I think it would be merited. They go they go there tomorrow tomorrow night as we're recording this Monday. They go there tomorrow night, Corey, and it's almost a go again. Do the exact same things. You've got to try and do the exact same things. We created chances against Bournemouth. Okay, they weren't one hundred percent clear cut chances. They were you know, the keeper made a couple of routine saves. Decent goalkeeper, as we mentioned earlier. Um, and on a different day, at least one of those goes in. You get a penalty, and chances are you scored two games away from home. And mostly, when you score two games away from home. You're two goals away from home. Sorry, you're usually coming away with at least a point, aren't you? Let's face it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's the it's the matter in the performances. And again, you know, you want to make sure that you maximize points at every opportunity that you're given. But you're playing a tough team. You're playing well. You've created opportunities. You look good. You're going into a team here against Blackburn that that are a very good side uh, that had a blistering start to the season, but has not had their talisman Ben Brereton Diaz for a long time uh, due to injury. So you're going into this game and you're saying, okay. Heck, why not us? Why can't we go in here and 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 get a win against one of the better sides in this division? If not, they've 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 fallen off since Ben Brereton Diaz injury. 
So why not us? Why can't we go in there? We, we're doing we're do an opportunity here to beat a, beat a good side in this division. We do a win. So why not us the other night? But before we get your thoughts on the match, Jason, we've heard mine. Let's go to our friend Ryan from Rover's chat and get his thoughts on this game coming up tomorrow. Hi, Derby fans. It's Ryan Hildred from the Rovers Chat website and YouTube channel. I hope you're all well. Um, yeah, Rovers season so far. Boy, what a roller coaster it's been. Um, first and foremost, nobody expected us to be within that playoff contention. I personally had us down in 18th position in the preseason predictions. It just felt like it was a season of transition, losing Adam Armstrong to Southampton, Harvey Elliott going back on loan to Liverpool. Just felt like a, a lot of goals and creativity had been lost from the side and, and losing a couple of other players like Elliot Bennett, you know, experienced players. So felt like we were going to have a season of transition. Um, and obviously we've we've ridden the fairy tale, which is Ben Brereton Diaz. You know, it started off with the Copper America in the summer at the same time that England were in the Euros. And Brereton Diaz just came back from his summer in the Copper America, just a completely different beast, a completely different animal. Uh, and he really was the spearhead of, of a much improved attack for Rovers. We were a really fluid and confident side. It was all about goals in the early part of the season. You know, we had a 5-1 win and some 4-0 wins as well. And really paying confidently and, you know, that propelled us into that top six contention. Uh, then something quite devastating happened. Um, you know, we had a, a 7-0 loss at home to Fulham, which was our record home defeat in our history. And that really changed the mindset of the manager and changed how he had us set up. So we went to a wing-back formation uh, five at the back, five-three-two formation, and that really started us off on a fantastic run of form between November and December. It was ten games unbeaten. I think it was nine wins in ten or something. Loads of clean sheets as well, and it propelled us not just into you know firmly into the top six, but we were dreaming of automatic promotion. So we're turning the new year thinking, wow, what a position we're in. Can we exploit Bournemouth and and really sneak in there? But the recent form in the calendar year of 2022, so you know January the second, nil nil at home to Huddersfield. Since that point onwards, uh, the recent form has not been great. It's just three goals scored in 2022. Uh, that has led to three one nil victories, including two important ones at home to Middlesbrough and QPR, obviously playoff rivals. But you know we've not scored enough goals in 12 games or so. Few nil nils in there as well. So it's not just been defeats, but certainly. The form is not reflective of a side that's staying in the top six. It's actually more relegation form um, if you project it out over a season. So the recent form has really dipped. Um, to be fair, we have been playing sides that you would regard as form teams in the division. Sheffield United, Middlesbrough, Luton, Millwall. We've played a lot of tough sides recently. So we were expecting that kind of run in January and February. And then that led us onto the game that we had on Saturday just gone. Bristol City at home. They hadn't had an away win in 11 games um, and we were looking at that one as the start of a little run to finally get us into the playoffs. But the way the game transpired, it was just heartbreaking for many reasons. So Bradley Dack coming back after a calendar year out, his first appearance in a Rover shirt of the season, first appearance in front of fans for about 810 days or something daft like that. So a really emotional moment when he came on, you know, we were looking at him to rescue the game and... And obviously the fairy tale of him getting us the victory after a pretty damning run of form. But uh, it wasn't to be. He missed a penalty. And then Bristol City went on to, to snatch the victory. Um, so heartbreaking for many reasons. And it's led a lot of fans now to thinking that it's more hope than expectation that we'll make the top six now, which is a real shame. Lots of 
pessimistic outlook from the fans now. So it's a real shame how it's transpired. And, and that obviously leads us on to the manager. Um, you know, the thoughts on the manager. Uh, you know, this has changed a lot in the Rovers fan base. There's been times when, you know, he's been God and there's been times when people have been calling for his head. And that includes this season, you know, when we're in the top two. It's like, oh, what a great job he's done. He's rebuilt the club after losing 7-0 at home to Fulham. You know, people are calling for his head after that game. But I think the clarity that we have now is if we don't make the top six this season from the position that we were in, it'll be a handshake from Rovers fans just to say, you've done everything that you can. You're not the man to get us into the top six. And with him being out of contract, I would expect Tony Mowbray to be leaving at the end of the season if we don't make the top six. And that would be a failure uh, from the position that we were in. But, you know, first and foremost, he's rebuilt everything with the club um you know with what happened with um you know previous regimes and, and obviously Venki's early time as well so we're forever grateful for that rebuild that Tony Mowbray has done in terms of key players for Rovers you know we've not scoring many goals recently and with Ben Brereton Diaz injured it has been all about the defense and Jan Paul van Hecker who we've got on loan from Brighton is just an absolute colossus at the back for us a real Rolls-Royce type of defender who reads the game so well and to say he's on loan, just an absolute leader of the club as well. And alongside him, he's got the skipper, Daryl Enehan and Scott Wharton, you know, the three centre-backs, the basis for all of our clean sheets and solidity that we've had in recent weeks. But if we are to win the game, we obviously need to score goals. And if we're going to score goals, don't be surprised to see Joe Rothwell, uh, who can turn a game on its head with his dribbling. Uh, Tyrese Dolan, um, who's a great dribbler of the ball and, and really presses defences up high. And then Reda Kadra, who's an explosive type of player who can you know, score a free kick or have shots from range and, and certainly got some pace in behind. Um, in terms of our strengths, obviously, it, it, it is the defence, isn't it? So, um, you know, in terms of the weaknesses, though, uh, it's absolutely uh, we've got to win a game. We have got to score first to win a game of football. Uh, that is a real bad quality about this Rovers side. And teams have caught on to that, that if they keep it tight and they score the first goal, Rovers don't come from behind. So we do need to develop a bit of bounce back ability, if you want to call it that. And certainly a weakness, I would say, with how the squad is feeling at the moment, with how the Bristol City game went, I would suggest that you know exploiting Rovers and, and hitting them while they're down is a weakness that Derby might want to exploit. But certainly another weakness, you know, the press that we had early on in the season... Uh, that's just not there at the moment. I'm not seeing that same energy in attack. I'm not seeing that same overturn of possession that we had. You know, we've really lost that counter-attacking style from our play. So overall, we, you know, we're falling short in some areas, but defensively we are solid and we are tight. Uh, in terms of my thoughts on Derby, uh, just first and foremost, absolute maximum respect to the Derby fans, the Derby players and the Derby management team for the situation that they are contending with. Um this is all your worst nightmares unfolding in front of you. And of course, Rovers have had precarious ownership uh, in recent years with Venkis, albeit it's a bit stable now. And I think Rovers fans do look at what's happening at Derby and think, wow, this could happen to Rovers if things didn't go the way in terms of our finances and ownership with Venkis. So I really want Derby to be saved. It would be a massive, massive sad indictment on the EFL if Derby County were to go under. They're a founder member just like Rovers. I think it'd be a sad day for football, a club the size of Derby to go under. That's not saying that I don't respect other clubs that have recently gone under like Barry and others, but I think it's a different level of magnitude if a famous club like Derby County goes under. So I hope Derby are saved. Obviously, the punishment is there for a reason. The 21 points were taken off for a reason. So, you know, you can say that the punishment has been served in that regard. So, 
hopefully everything is done now to save Derby and if they have to start next season in League One or you know if there's further punishment down to League Two you know the EFL will obviously decide on that but Derby have to be saved and I hope they are but yeah in terms of on the pitch this season just what Wayne Rooney has done to galvanise that squad get young players playing through the team um, you know the players that you've had come into the team from your youth academy and all of that I've been really impressed with Derby um, you know, you've kept it tight at the back where you've needed to. The energy and the noise that the Derby fans have created at Pride Park this season have made it really difficult. I remember my trip to Pride Park earlier this season. Boy, I was on my knees in the final five minutes. Um, we were 2-0 up and coasting and then Derby made it really difficult for us to get that victory. So maximum respect for Derby for, for how it's gone. And to be in with a chance of staying up this season with the points deduction just... I have nothing but admiration for Derby and the players, the management and the fans about how they've just galvanised around this whole horrible situation. But I really hope you save. That's my overriding feeling. How I think the game will go, um, you know, I'm quite torn on this. I think Derby are playing Rovers at a real opportune moment, actually, with our confidence on the floor uh, after how the Bristol City game went. You know, we are a young squad. We don't have many leaders that have done playoff campaigns before and maybe that is showing a little bit at the moment. So if Derby get in our faces a little bit and really make us feel underconfident and get that first goal at Ewood Park, maybe you could catch us when we're down. But, you know, that Bristol City game, maybe that could be the fuel for Rovers to finally get over the line. That feeling that all of the Rovers fans and players had at the full-time whistle, could that be the thing that truly galvanises us? So... I do fancy us to get the win against Derby um, tomorrow night. I think it'll be a really hard-fought victory. I think Derby make it difficult for sides. Um, There's a little bit riding on this game again, like last season as well. I expect it to be a tight and cagey game like that. But my score prediction for this will be 2-1 Rovers. So uh, we just need to get the job done. Um, We've got home games against Derby, Stoke and Blackpool, where if we are making the playoffs six wins from nine, you've got to win your home games. So ultimately, this is a game that Rovers are targeting and I fancy us to do it. Take care, Derby fans. See you later. Thanks for that, Ryan. Appreciate it. And I'm also on Ryan's show tonight, Jason, on Monday night, uh, as a view from the other side on Rovers chat. So I'll be taking media duties from that. Um, but Jason, w- I mean, going into this game against Blackburn Rovers, we're not expected to get anything. But again, like I just said right there, why not us? Why can't we go in there and try to stomp a team that's in a bit of a strange period of form right now? Why why not us? Why can't we go out there and, and get and get the victory, get three points and take a bit of the pressure off? And especially heading into a tough game against Coventry, then into an international break. This is a perfect opportunity to give it a right, good, rare and go, you know. Take the take the take the uh, momentum into a Coventry game, which is also going to be tough. Then hit into an international break, and then sit back, regroup, and go and go again for this last phase of the season. I agree, and I think I think the one thing at the minute that certainly in Derby's favour is that obviously Reading fell off a cliff again. Thank God, um, Peterborough. Yes, they've picked up an odd result. Barnsley, they're picking up the odd draw, but they're not they're not wins. And that gap from safety, for Derby's perspective, I know obviously Barnes are above us at the minute, but that gap is still five points. And obviously, we go into the games tomorrow night. We've got Blackburn away. I believe Reading travelled to Bournemouth. I, th- I think it's at Bournemouth, I think. Uh, no, I don't know, actually. That might mean they've had three games at home. I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, I, might, I haven't done my revision. I, I must apologise. But, um, yeah, Bournemouth, at the end of the day, Bournemouth play Reading tomorrow night. Um, you would have to say that's a gimme for Bournemouth, you would hope. So anything from the game Tuesday night 
Forget about Barnsley at the minute. Forget about Peterborough at the minute. Derby going to have to do that. They've got to, they've got to focus on I mean, their. You, you, we, it's it's, calm, it's 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 nature to look at the table, Jason. But I think all we have to do right now, as as, as this group of, as the group of players, all they have to do is focus on themselves. If you start getting into a maths equation and oh, if this person loses, this person and whatever, it doesn't work out because then your standards slip. Play at a high standard. Concentrate on taking care of your business and take care of the business. We can look at the league table at the international break. And when we get another break in the game, but take care of your business. That is, that's the mantra. Take care of the business. No, I would agree with that, but I am going to give it a, a small mathematical spin. I no, think, I agree with you because you're not on the playing staff. Either. No, no. I, I think if you, if you can get to the international break and the gap is no worse than five uh, to, to, to safety and Barnsley and Reading are less than three points ahead of you, let's say, I think that is a gr- not great, but that's a. I'd take that. I, I would go with that. You go to the final. What is it? Seven games after the international break. Seven, eight games. Um, I know our away form's a bit tetched, um, but there's there are on paper. I would argue there's some winnable games away from home. The only real difficult team, and I don't mean to disrespect anybody here, the only real game that I look at in that last seven, and go, not so sure. Is Fulham at home? The other games that we and let's face it, Fulham didn't take a result against Barnsley, so that's at the time was what top against bottom, and Barnsley nearly eked out the three points. So, you know, the other teams, as I say, no no disrespect to them. Some of the sides that we've got coming up: Bristol City at home, Preston at home. Obviously, uh, these are all after the international break. We've got to go. Uh, we've got to go to Swansea. We're in a bit. They're not bad at home. Seem to be shy away. But obviously we've got to go to uh, we've got to go to Swansea. Then of course there's Blackpool and and Cardiff. I may well have missed one out there. QPR away, which obviously is probably going to be a difficult one. They seem to have turned the corner a little bit after a after a shaky period. But none of those really. I don't think like we've said this on the podcast for the last few weeks. Derby really shouldn't fear anybody. They're not in a position where they need to fear anybody really. Um, it's for the teams that come up against Derby to not underestimate how good Derby can be on their what, day. What would be the point? What would be the point of a player sitting there being fearful at this stage of the season? Well, there isn't. No, there's nobody any good. Go out there, take care of your business. So I agree with you. There's no need to go out there and play with any fear from any of these players. You've got nothing to lose. Everybody's been against you all season. You've had you've had monumental challenges to deal with. Right. Yet you're still climbing this mountain. So let's get to the top of the mountain. Let's get above that cloud line, which is that relegation line. Let's bloody do something really special here because that's what we're on the cusp of doing. So being fearful and being scared of other teams. I mean, hell, play Fulham. Who cares? Give Fulham a good run. You know, we've seen that. Fulham, we've seen that Fulham ha- are beatable. We've seen that Fulham do have cracks. You know, they're not. You, you know what I mean? It's not the Invincibles of Arsenal. You know what I mean? That, that yeah. they're playing. Uh, it's not the Brazil national team or whatever like that. So go out there and, 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 and give them a right good go because we're in this fight. And like I've said several times over the past couple of episodes, Jason, I'm sure the people are fed up of this, but good God, we have something, we have the opportunity here to do something incredibly special that has never been done in football. We can make worldwide history. So take that pressure, enjoy that pressure, enjoy it and let it motivate you to kick on to show all these people what you really feel about it. Because the only way that you're going to be able to do that is get out of this quagmire. Yeah. No, I fully agree. And I think, you know, we could go back to uh, a podcast from around what? October, November, November time when we found out that we'd got the full 21 point deduction 
And I think we was all sitting there a little bit doom and gloom, but I think we all said that with 10 games to go, if we can be in single digits away from the relegation zone, we'd snap, we'd have snapped your hand off for that four months ago. Well, we are sat here in single digits. Okay. There's a couple of games in hand in and around it, but none of them are in any form. We're, we're, we're better than single digits. We are two wins, two wins. We're two wins away from safety technically at this moment in time. I mean, that, I know it's the gruel and, and, you know, I know it's the gruel and it's the grind of the championship. And that's why we're a little bit, oh, you know, it still feels five points at this moment in time feels like a mountain to climb. 20 games ago, we'd have, we'd have done, we'd, we'd have committed murder for, for, to only Derby to only be five points away from pulling off this, this incredible thing. And as I say, really, you're right. We don't, we shouldn't have to fear anything, but you go on form and there's probably only really one to two teams left after the international break, that Derby have got to play. They're in any sort of form. And, and Derby shouldn't have a game in. So why not us? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And But that does start if Derby can get something tomorrow night against Bournemouth, sorry, against Blackburn, um, and, and turn up, same performance. It's going to be hard, 48-hour turnaround. Obviously, we know that we've had this many, many times this season, Corey. It's a 48-hour turnaround. It's going to practically be the same 11 near enough the same 11 out there and they've got to go and put a real good shift in there yet again uh, what is going to be arguably you know no doubts about it. it's going to be a very 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 tough place for Derby to go but they can do it and I think if Derby can take something out of the game tomorrow night I mean a win would obviously be fantastic we did say really we'd hope that Derby would win one of these two at the end of the day if they don't and they only take a point and and Reading stutter against Bournemouth and some of the others continue to stutter then that gap's going to be smaller than five points going into going into Saturday, and you would you would presume and hope that Derby can get something uh, again on Saturday before the international break. So we will go into that international break with. I, I'm going to stand here now and say I don't think the gap's going to be any more than five points going into that international break. So coming back after with those final seven games to go, and all you've got to do is chase down seven points. I say all. I know games are running out, but you've got to chase down five points and that's, that's it. I think you've got to do that and um, you, you've got to give it a bloody good go. And let's face it, just to finish, finish the pod on Corey. I mean, we've, we had sellout at Bournemouth. I mean, the away fans have been tremendous this season. There was a, there was a sellout there. Um, we've had close to 30,000 plus at Pride Park over the last few weeks. I, I mean, obviously tomorrow night's a Tuesday night, so I appreciate that it's probably not going to be quite a, a sellout but uh, for, from a Derby's perspective, but there'll still be a fair following that goes up there. Pride Park on Saturday will be rocking against Coventry uh, and the final games that we've got coming up at, at Pride Park are all are all going to be rocking. And then, you know, you look at the the away fixtures, Swansea is an attractive away trip. Um, it's a day out. QPR, day out in London. You've still got a trip to Blackpool to come. And if that be a relegation party or if that be a survival party or survival still on party, um, you know, anybody who's not involved with, with Derby County, I'd keep away from the uh, Northwest coast come, uh, come bank holiday weekend in April. Cause I've got a feeling that there'll be a fair few thousand Derby fans who haven't got a ticket that if something rides on that game or they've, ju- they've just been relegated, it may well with the final, with it being the final away game, I've got a feeling that there's there's going to be one hell of a party on the north on the northwest coast, and then who knows who knows what the shootdown is going to be between Derby and Cardiff. It it could be 
it could be something, it, it could be nothing, we don't know. All we can do, like you say, I want to drag it back to reality a little bit. Derby County have got to focus on tomorrow night, putting 100% into tomorrow night. And if they put in 100% tomorrow night, it gives them the best chance of getting something out of the game. They were unlucky on Saturday against Bournemouth to not get something out of the game, in my opinion. Didn't think Bournemouth were great shakes. Um, and you've just got to hope that Bournemouth continue... Sorry, Blackburn. All these Bs, it's really confusing. Just got to hope that Blackburn tomorrow night continue on their patchy form at best, which is, I think it's, what, one win in eight. But then again, they've actually not lost at home. And I think it's I think it's one in 10 that they've lost at home. So... It, by the sounds of it, a lot of draws in there. Clearly, there must be a lot of draws in there. So actually, Derby going to Ewood Park tomorrow night, taking a point as a minimum, I think would actually be a decent bit of business, knowing that, as I say, the gaps kind of stayed the same. And and let's hope that that, that continues, Corey. Yeah, for sure, Jason. And just a word on the fans, best fans in the league, hands down. Um, you know, uh, proving it time and time again this season. Massive away followings, massive home followings. We've really unified. This fan base has become really unified this year. And it's been absolutely great to see. So um, big kudos, big kudos to the fans um, for, for um, being being the best fans in, in the league, Jason, without without a shadow of a doubt. As always, as always. Um, but that's it for this episode. Obviously, it's midweek game, so it's it's double pod week. We'll, um, we'll have another one out later on towards the end of the week, fingers crossed especially if I don't break my laptop again. Um, and we'll have some, we'll have obviously all the fallout from Ewood Park and we'll look forward to the Coventry game. Our thanks go out to Andy, who joined us again this week for some wonderful insights. As always, thanks to Corey for, for joining along. And of course, it's thank you from me to you um, for all for listening. Corey, I'll see you in a couple of days, mate. And... Um, Thanks for thanks for being on yet again, as always, steering the ship with me. It's, it's last couple have been together. It's been nice. It has. It has been a good. It has been a good bit of fun, Jason. We're going to try to put something during the international break. Figure out our schedules here for for the end, rest of the season. So hopefully, we have a couple uh, couple interesting people on. Um, not that we have, we already have we already have, already have interesting people on, but a couple different uh, more high profile guests on from now until the end of the season and. Um, as we uh, as we as we continue to uh, to to plan out um, uh, plan out the rest of the season, Jason, it's it's always a pleasure. Um, and thank you to everybody who listens and supports us. It it, it does mean a lot, um, and, and we're so appreciative appreciative of your support. So thank you so much. And as always, the final thing to say: up the Rams. Thank you for listening to the latest episode of the Rams Review Podcast. We would love it if you'd like to get in touch. On Twitter, we're at RamsReview1. On Facebook, it's Rams Review Podcast. Or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, up the Rams. The Rams Review Podcast are proud to be part of the Fan Hub 100, putting fans first.